Welcome to Midnight Conversations. My name is Stephen Banos. And I'm Anandan Ambikaraja. Welcome, Anandan. Thank you, Are you, you excited Stephen. about uh, today's pod? I'm very excited. I'm always excited about today's podcast. Are you? Is this, is this something is that needs to be said? I thought it were, we're always have a, the level of excitement is, is high, isn't it? Is that not the um, case? Sometimes. I feel like last <laughs> week I was pretty, I was pretty low. Oh, but really? Today I'm caffeinated, I'm hydrated. <laughs> I've had some nuts. I knocked over a pot plan a moment ago. It's all happening. Oh, did you? There you go. Oh, exciting. Is yeah, that it's... is that an exciting night for you, knocking over a pot plan? <laughs> <laughs> That's life in Canberra, man. It's, well, yeah. it's as exciting as it gets here. <laughs> when it gets crazy in the Banos household, there's just dirt everywhere. Is, is yeah, that, is, there, yeah, there actually is a pile of uh, dirt at my feet, and I'm, I'm sitting cross-legged so I don't step in it. Oh really? Okay, um, you can clean it up. We could we could do this podcast in like two more minutes. <laughs> we'll stop the pod, and I can I can clean the dirt. <laughs> no, 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 we'll power through. Um, it's a metaphor for uh, how the how the podcast uh, is going to progress today. I think you know, uh, dirty <laughs> but sludging dirty. through. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it goes. <laughs> we can get saying, dirty with this. Uh, in in saying that. Uh, mm-hmm. What we're talking about today, Stephen, the, today's mm-hmm. paper is is something that I I thought would be really interesting because it challenged one of uh, my wildly held beliefs about population uh, rate and population growth. Um, so, mm-hmm. I mean, for you, Stephen, I guess my question is: Do you think the population is increasing, decreasing, or staying the same based on mm. what you know? Look, uh, with my age has come some wisdom and I've, I've learned that uh, not everything in life is linear. Okay. Um, so I think at the moment it's increasing, but uh, yeah, the, the expectation for me is, is not that it would always increase. Right. So you think did that you there will be a, 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 a bit of a maximum cap? Yeah. Well, yes. No, I, I did expect there to be a maximum cap at some point. Mm. Well, if, I, I, I mm. always thought that Yes, it would increase until it's self-destructed. I, fe- I felt like it was just <laughs> one of those things that I didn't think would ever, I couldn't, I, just given the rapid rate of increase that's happened over the last 50 or so years, uh, I didn't think it would stop until an external force had sort of uh, had an influence on it, such as no more resources or, you know, in- environmental impacts. So that was sort of, my thinking around this and then i was Mm. surprised to find this article which was essentially an article that looks at the rate it tried to model uh, the population as it's increasing over the next hundred years and was like well what based on all these factors is going to happen to the global population and it breaks it down by uh country 195 countries and territories and uh, it's a forecasting analysis and their goal is just to understand patterns of future population levels and so i'll run you through basically some of the main findings of uh, this study so the the core of it is that uh, improvements in access to modern contraception and the education of girls and women are generating widespread sustained declines in fertility and the world population will likely peak in 2064 and at, at around 9.7 billion and then decline to about 8.8 billion by uh, 2100. 
about two billion lower than some previously uh, reported estimates. So you know, the, mm. the population estimates and population growth is something that's been studied heavily. And I think what's interesting about this study is that it reports estimates that are much lower than what's um, previously been reported. Um, so I'll, yeah. I'll just go over basically what they did. So they um, it's a data from the Global Burden of Disease Study, and they aim to project future global, regional, and national population level growth. And uh, what they found was that um, the in 100, 183 of 195 countries will have uh, total fertility rates, uh, which are, represent the average number of children a woman delivers over her lifetime. That's the total fertility rate in the study. Um, below replacement level of 2.1 births per woman. So what this means is that in these countries, populations will decline unless low fertility is compensated by immigration. So um, that was one of the key findings from this study. But Stephen, I mean, what, what do you think about um, this finding, these stu- this study in general? Uh, does it challenge mm. any of your previous assumptions? Um, I mean, I mean, what, what kind of concerns me the most is that peak population in 2064, which is what, 9.7 billion people. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, which seems like a lot of people. Like, I, I can't even uh, conceptualize that. It's, that's crazy. It is. It um, is a lot. Look, uh, overall, overall, the the paper doesn't really surprise me that right. much. Right. Yeah, I think. Look, it's it's definitely interesting the way that they're trying to, like, uh, obviously um, predict population based on stuff like based on information that is not super reliable mm. to me things like predicting it based on like migration rates and fertility seems like uh you know there's a lot of room for error which mm-hmm. they do address there right yeah um i don't know is this is this like surprising to you is it impressive is this does this seem like a better model than than what has been done in the past? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not really aware of, of all the models in this area of research. But, I mean, with any model, there's some amount or degree of error um, that's mm. associated with it. I think what's interesting to me is the key facts and the reasons for the decline in fertility rate, which include uh, the increased education of women and the increased use of contraception. Um, I find that uh, really fascinating. And I think that... Mm. Uh, What's also interesting is the fact that uh, the replacement level is going to go below 2.1 births. And so that requires um, immigration to occur to sort of ensure that the populations within countries are sustained. And given that a lot of countries are notorious for having very strict immigration laws, I wonder, will it become favorable in future to actually have open immigration because immigration, I mean... I think, you know, it depends on how you look at it in a broad scope. But I think you could argue that governments try to temper the amount of immigration that occurs for a number of reasons. Um, but maybe this will hopefully, you know, create a global society where we're, we're immigrating left, right and center. And we're all we're all sort of instead of country <laughs> lines, we're all we're all one, you know, piece of humanity. I don't know. Could, but I, I, it, to me, it sounds like like a great thing. But it, it depends on uh, still my concern on the growth that we face from now till, you know, or whatever they said it was, uh, 2064 or something. And um, mm-hmm. that growth, 
I wonder how much of a strain that will put on the world, given the, you know, the strain that we see already with the Australian bushfires, you know, that linked to climate change, which is linked to um, the number of people in the world and the number of cars, the number of things uh, that are contributing. I wonder yep. how much of a strain that extra population burden will put on the planet before we go down. So... Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. You're you're a very optimistic person. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what but, was optimistic? Oh, the immigration <laughs> point. <laughs> Which well, point is uh, mainly on that. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting because like education uh, will will reduce um, the fertility rate according to this, mm. um, but education will potentially increase demand for resources as like the middle classes grow in in kind of the developing countries, and so. I don't know what well, one problem might be covered by the reduced fertility rates, but then there's obviously, you know, growing demand for resources is a, is a huge thing. And so mm. as the population increases, generally governments kind of take more control as well, um, which I think is problematic. So I don't know. When, when you say, when you say resources, what do you mean when you're saying that? Uh, well, land, water, um, and they're related yeah. to increasing education? How so? Well, as as the middle class grows, our needs and wants, or sorry, not our needs, our wants increase as well. Does that make mm. sense? And so, partly, but I'm not sure how that's related to education is my question. Wouldn't these needs and wants be there regardless of increasing education? So edu- education would, I don't have data to, to no, back no, me no, up here, just, so I'm, yeah, I'm kind of fumbling here, but... Uh, education would, I, I suspect, would lead to a growth in business, which leads to creation of demand for things, which mm. leads to creation of wants. Do you know? Do you know yeah, does that no, make any I, sense? I, I, get, I get the relationship. No, it's a bit more so, clear. Yeah, edu- yeah, yeah. Ed- education creates entrepreneurs who are then like creating things that they're trying to sell to people. Right. And see, because because the relationship that I assumed, because it's not. I don't think heavily discussed, but I thought that the increasing level of education may have just opened up um, economic opportunities for individuals to do things that maybe were previously not achievable. And so sometimes there's a, 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 you know, income barrier to certain jobs that um, restrict your ability to to do things. So maybe I thought the the relationship between increasing education and reduction fertility could have been in part related to if people are more educated, they're more likely to uh, open up more job opportunities, which increases the probability that they find a job that they're maybe more passionate or in, fulfilled in, which leads to that becoming more of a priority perhaps than um, having children at an earlier age. And so maybe yeah pursuing it those educational opportunities just delays the onset of having children um mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's there have been predictions that like if the whole world lived the same way that like people in australia or america do we would power through the resources in like a very small number of years mm. yeah um, i don't find that too surprising but yeah. i mean i think i think the world is I mean I was about to say something, but then I, I remembered your comment of me being too positive. So I'll, I, was about, <laughs> I, was, I was about to say that I think the world has capacity for changing before catastrophes happen. In the sense of, you know, I think there's already these movements that are occurring that are leading, you know, governments to take more action on things like climate change. Uh, but 
I yeah, so I wonder whether yeah, it'll you know, if it's not so much that we need to be over the edge for us to have these policies that improve the the world. I think I think it's just maybe uh these little increments of uh change that occur uh, if people are just more neutral you know if uh, in their consumption of of resources then globally i think that makes it i think the argument i'm putting is you know mm. small change uh compounded by billions of people in the world make a difference and so yeah <laughs> maybe i feel like that's that's kind of the attitude that like the the people who are you know like strongly believe that that climate change is happening as a result of human action that mm. and then are not taking action to like reduce their carbon footprint they have this idea in their mind that like once the you know the crisis is imminent then we'll just figure out a way to get you know we'll figure it out then yeah 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 i um, mean it is it's, ca- a, it's been a, the case in the past i mean we've worked out solutions i mean technology has been um, an, an amazing tool for and that revolution has helped us solve a lot of problems that we've had in the past uh, so i think I, mean, I can see the grounds for why people think that but maybe just, but then we're also guaranteed. a little bit undermining the purpose of this paper which is to predict population growth so that we can take actions to plan for, for yeah for partly yeah I guess, and, I guess it is it is to plan i think i think um one of the points in this paper is that hopefully it informs policy making um mm. you know and and governments have stepped in in the past where it's been you know i think was it finland or some some country noticed that they were having a, a like a decrease in their population levels and so they uh, put up a monetary incentive for people to have children and and it worked mm. quite effectively i think when they mapped it out across a few years um there was like a distinct number increase that they saw from offering this this financial reward to to have children i mean mm. it's yeah so maybe yeah. It, yeah it 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 can work if if you're ready for it like if mm. if you're prepared to benefit from the population you know as a society then it then it's great but yeah. there are there are a large number of communities that are not at all ready for the population growth that's that's mm. coming and especially with migration coming in like even if i don't know how much time you spent in sydney recently but you know population there is increasing rapidly and migration mm. plays a massive role in that and the cities is struggling to keep up with it mm. um, in some senses. It, and it's because people typically want the same kind of things and they flock to the same sort of areas. And I'm specifically referring to money. People like money, so they move to the city, right? Right. That's yeah. where the investment opportunities are. It's where the jobs are. And, um, but I would, I would argue mm. that Sydney, as an example, is is expanding, right? You have people who are living in further and further outreach areas of it that are probably previously were considered more remote and now they're commonplace and it's mm. just the commuting that's occurring. So you could argue that um, maybe the growth will happen in parallel with, you know, land growth and expansion. I know in Canberra, um, if you look at that as, you know, 50 years ago, it was an extremely small section. And then now it's sort of slowly growing outwards and outwards and there's all this development happening in the outskirts. And uh, mm. suburbs which were previously thought as oh that's a way out there are now uh, almost central canberra so you know it's mm. it's maybe the land mass is just increasing as a result P- people might be living in outskirts but they still you know have have the city as 
the place that mm. they, they spend a Commute lot of in. that's where they work mm. and, yeah. and stuff so yeah i mean cities in particular really need to be prepared for for massive population growth which is mm. what what's being predicted here but it, i mean it's 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 beyond that as well in terms of i think mental health is a massive thing that needs to be considered you know as population increases and like our interconnectivity increases as well with like social media and stuff i feel like People are feeling less and less significant. Their identity means less, um, and that's that's kind of well, that's, that's horrible for for mental health, right? Mm. And that that feeling like you don't really matter. Yeah. Um. So that's something that the communities need to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot, there's a lot of questions that. that that are raised by this paper. Yeah, there are. I mean, I think another interesting fact from this paper in is in relation to the practicalities of if a population is uh, decreasing in their uh, number of children, I guess, uh, average number of children or fertility rate, what does that do to the average ages of the population, right? So um, I think they found in this paper that as fertility falls, life and, and life expectancies increasing worldwide. The number of children under five years old is forecasted to decline by 41%, um, whilst the number of individuals older than 80 is projected to increase sixfold from like 140 million to 866 million. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a drastic shift in sort of how the population looks. So what that means possibly is that um, you know, the, the retirement age will be older and then there'll be, uh, you know, different demographic age demographics have different value sets that are generational. Uh, so there'll be, it, yeah, it'll be, the future yeah. will be shaped by, by the age of it, especially if it increases in age. So, mm, that's, yeah. that's one of the things addressed in that as well is like the, the populations or the, the population needs to be structured in a way where the, the younger people are able to look after the older population. And so if you have like a massive, you know, aged population, it's going to mm. be a, a massive strain on, on the communities as well. We all know Possibly. how hard it is to look after. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with that to an extent, but I think also with the advent of, you know, technology, uh, I think a lot of, there's a lot of jobs that require a high level of skill and, mm. and expertise, which I think, uh, elderly people can you know contribute to in to some degree where maybe the physicality of things i mean you know i'm very constricted my my point of view is also in academia right where you have a, a large older population that you know are there for a long period of time and they provide a lot of input and value and so i guess i've always seen that the labor force can be older it's just whether people choose to work at old age um, but I think that the job market is changing in such a way that there will be room for jobs in for people if they want to work at in older age. I mean, you know, coding, computing, all these sort of things are skills that we need and uh, are, I don't think, discriminate by age. But what are your thoughts? Well, I think that uh, the, the dream, at least in, in Australia at the moment, is to try to retire as early as possible so that you can, I don't know, like buy a boat or just stream Netflix for really? the rest of your is life that the or dream? something. Is that the average Australian dream? I didn't know that. Oh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm reading too many like investment <laughs> finance books where that's enough. what people are talking about. Make sure you buy a house and well, buy but, six houses so that you can retire by 40. But then, then what do you do when you retire? Drink 
coffee and I don't know. I drink coffee read now. Paper. Yeah, <laughs> I read no, the look, paper I, now. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't subscribe to it. I, I don't. Yeah, I interesting. It's yeah. Inter- yeah. When I was, I remember being in Singapore and seeing kind of like very elderly looking people just working, like mm. cleaning up in supermarkets and stuff, and mm. Mm. I I felt like that's that's better. Be out engaged in the community if you have capacity, go for it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, no, interesting. Oh, well, I I guess yeah. As we mm. say, there it depends on the wants and needs of of individuals within this mm. society. I think I think work has to be something that's made to be desirable. And I think it's desirable when people have the privilege to work in something that they enjoy doing, right? So I think it's, I think all of those factors come together um, to play. Um, but mm. in saying that, I feel like I do want to end this um, uh, podcast on a positive note. And so here's an uh, interesting point from the article. Uh, they note that while population decline is, uh, what are some good factors, it's good news for reducing carbon emissions, uh, stress on the food systems, and um, yeah, generally, we'll, we'll, we should see, you know, turnarounds in, in the overall stress on, on land as a result of that. So, I mean, that's positive uh, to some extent. So there's, stop there's some to, positive. Stop trying to make this come. positive. Adam. <laughs> well, I think, I think it's always, it's a complex, <laughs> it's a complex argument when, when it comes to population increase. We don't know what's going to happen, the impact it has, and you could you know, argue that it's more of a strain when there's more people in the world, uh, which mm. is, is true. But also, I feel like it, you can think of it as if you're in a house and the house has, you know, three people and then there are three bedrooms and then you have six people in that same house, you can think of it as a strain that's more difficult, but there's also ways in which you could change that house to make sure that it feels like there's more room, whether you you know, have bunk beds or have, you know, an extra bathroom that's renovated in there. I, I just think in the analogy that I'm putting forth, I think the world can be changed to compensate for more people. But I'm, you know, I may be way off there. There may be a point where of no return, where it's way too many people uh, as a result. But I think, mm. I think, I think more can be done than people assume can be done. So, um, well, I mean, yeah. I, I, I spent, my evening last night watching documentaries about uh, Russia and, and conflict in the South China Sea. And so all, all my outlook is very negative. All <laughs> I see is war. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and on that note, uh, I guess, <laughs> I guess uh, people can let us know um, if they were surprised by the findings in this research paper and if they were interested. There's, uh, It's going to be a complex paper, but there's a nice Science Daily uh, article which covers uh, some of the key points in it and so if you google the paper and science daily uh, which is a news platform that sort of tries to cover science uh, papers in an easily digestible way check that out and um, but Stephen, where can the listeners find us if they want to know more about what we do yeah hit us up on our gmail which is midnight conversations podcast at gmail.com Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on Instagram too, Midnight Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter, Midnight Conversations Podcast. And we have Facebook now, don't we? We do have Facebook. Yeah, we're we all have over Facebook it. as well. So we're everywhere. Um, but in saying that, uh, have a good day and we'll see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>